in this episode of Movie Oil as we talk about a few more of our end of year favourites. Movie Rollers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. And Yazdi as well. Movie Rollers is your weekly list of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres on DVD, online streaming, or on the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. So, we're just continuing, I guess. We did, we the last podcast was just uh, some coverage of um, all the things that, as always, despite this being a funny year, we still find ourselves in this end of year crush. With um, some really good movies. Some really good releases. Really good releases, yeah. I would have appreciated seeing over the summer, just for the record. I would have appreciated, we, we grumble about this every year, but boy, the quality of things that we've been seeing uh, in December, especially in a pandemic year, smaller movies, home releases, yeah. streaming. Come on, guys, let's let's fix this. Let's fix this situation <laughs> <laughs> we're all going crazy trying to see all these movies and that all these movies are fighting for attention at the same time. I mean, that th- that's the problem. I think legit gems get lost in the shuffle. And that that's yeah. that's something that I, I find offensive. So with that said, um, that was my axe to grind segue, I oh. guess. <laughs> into I was going to say, I was actually impressed by how enthusiastically Yazzie was clapping at the beginning. I was going to throw him a fish. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like at uh, Seattle? Yes, like at SeaWorld. <laughs> yes. Oh, like at SeaWorld. I thought you meant at that uh, bike's place where they throw fish and they clap. <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. I'm ready for fish. I love fish. My joke's on I'm almost. I'm, I have an I'm unappreciative audience. So... Are you going to share my so my my, uh, my little fact that we discovered about this next movie? Yeah, well, why don't we go there? So we're going to talk about Small Axe, and that is the Steve McQueen, I guess, anthology of five movies. And we call them movies loosely. They're not all kind of feature-length movies, um, but many of, but at least a couple of them are longer than kind of episodes of a television series and so Steve McQueen director we all know from uh, such classics as five 12 years a slave not five years a slave no almost gave that too little credit um movie uh, widows that was kind of hit or miss for for many last uh, last couple of years the terrific Michael Fassbender Kerry Mulligan picture oh, so shame good. so this is an accomplished director he's a British director and so go for it, Rashmi. Like, so Steve you don't get McQueen, to talk about this I kind don't of get stuff. To, no, I don't often. Okay, so here's here's my e true Hollywood story moment. Steve McQueen. Oh, are you going to are you going to talk about why it's called Small Axe? No, I was going to tell you about Steve okay. McQueen and my relationship okay, with on. him. Um, oh, yes. So Steve McQueen grew up, which I never knew, in the same area as I did in London. So he lived in Ealing. That's where I grew up. And right. he went to the same school borough as me. And oh. he is the same school year as me. Oh. And he went to the high school that my niece went to. And you don't know him. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know him. <laughs> just, just to pop your... 
balloon there. <laughs> yes. No. <laughs> no, it was kind of a cool fact, though. Yeah, yeah there's, there's, I was shocked. Because there's, there's quite a few people in the movie industry that have kind of arisen from your your neck of the woods. In Correct. London. So Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who did Fleabag? Yes. Yes, went to the school up the road from me. <laughs> Rashmi, you'd, you'd better drop everything and start making movies. I know. <laughs> you got catching up it's, to it's do. It's bursting. It's like... Gurinder Chadha, I think, was close. Gurinder Chadha went to uh, a school in my school borough too. So Ealing wow. is apparently the place Ealing's to be. Ealing's the place e- to Ealing, be. Ealing, West London. West London. And you know what? Ealing Studios. I mean, I guess... That's true. There was Actually, big, that's true. A big local influence, part of you. Not really. Not in my life, but... Well, you were clearly interested in other things. <laughs> yes, that's true. Let's leave that alone. Yes. Anyway, back to Small Axe. So, Small Axe an anthology of five movies by director Steve McQueen of Rashmi... Uh, fame. Of Rashmi Neighborhood <laughs> School fame. Yes. And uh, five movies, Mangrove, Lover's Rock, Red, White and Blue, Alex Wheatle and Education. Um, and sorry, can I just say, I was wondering whether Joe would be able to say the titles without doing them in a West Indian accent, but 10 out of 10 for doing them not in a West Indian accent, Joe. See, now because I feel challenged. I'm going to be... No, you I'm shouldn't. Be, I'm that gonna, would I'm, be I'm misappropriation. Gonna, I'm, I'm going to be <laughs> slipping them in. I, I Look, I lived in London for a year in a community with a lot of West Indian locals, and so I used to get my hair cut at a place called Starsky's Barber Hut, and Starsky's was like one of the barbers in just just the like show, one of these yeah. places. So let's talk about the films. And we try not to do yes. a West Indian accent all the way through now. Oh, that would be great. You should. You should <laughs> just that's all you you should talk just like that. Yes, Joe. D. Why don't you tell us what you think of the movies? <laughs> oh, you're good. Uh, so I just, just Yasti, don't of, uh, humor him. No, I cannot. <laughs> I cannot. I would just. I, I would sound so offensive. I'm not even going to try. Right. Uh, I should do full full disclosure. I've only seen the first two, which is Mangrove and Lovers Rock. And um, should we do them together, or should we discuss them? We can discuss them. Yeah. Why don't them you give us give us time. your general sort of what you think of them, what worked for you, what didn't, and we'll we'll all kind of do that. Yeah, I mean, I am in absolute awe um, that Steve McQueen, if if the remaining three are as high quality and as immersive as those two were, then I am in awe of how prodigious his talent is and how prolific he is. Uh, They're both extremely specific experiences, especially Lover's Rock, uh, but let me talk about Mangrove. I think I saw Mangrove as, you know, a substantially better version of, uh, the Chicago. you know, the Chicago 7 movie on Netflix. Um, and I like that movie a lot, the Aaron Sorg, The Trial of Chicago 7. You know, I like that movie a lot. And I think this is a lot more um, enraging, a lot more... Um, uh, enraging and angry and loving and self-righteous documentation of a time in British history, which was, you know, militantly racist. And, um, you know, when I think about it, Mangrove as a movie over a period of two hours covers so much ground and you get to know so many of these characters so very well 
Uh, it's just remarkable that you have presented this piece of history. Uh, and I came into this completely cold. I did not know anything about any of this. Maybe, maybe you guys had heard about it growing up uh, in that neck of the wood, maybe not. But it's it's a clear case of, you know, racial discrimination. And more than that, not just discrimination, but racial violence. And, you know, the the ability of, you know, people to just stand up to it, you know, and I, and I, you know, I was very curious why the series is called Small Acts, and I read up on it, and it turns out it comes from an African proverb, which is that be the small axe to a big tree, meaning, you know, no matter how big the tree is, you can be a small axe and still make a dent in the tree. And it's, you know, it's very, very, uh, very, very applicable here. So I just love mangrove as, you know, I, I think it should be high schools should be forced to watch this. Uh, it's a very educational experience about, you know, how the racial struggle has continued over the years. And in many ways, um, things have not changed. Uh, we have a situation here of, a, um, you know, West Indian community, which was trying to set up uh, a restaurant and the police there just thought that it was a you know a den for criminals and drug addicts and prostitutes together and just went about systematically yes crazily sorry yes go no somebody was banging your door no joe's banging because we think there's a rodent that's oh, got stuck in okay. the um in the yeah, piping the yeah. Okay. So. No, so I, you know, I think, uh, you know, um, just the production design on it is incredible. Yeah. I cannot believe, you know, and, and a lot of it is external shooting. I don't know how they did it. it you know, it, it seems to be of that time of, of, you know, the late 60s, I believe, early 70s. The accents, I have to admit, it took me a long time to get used to the rhythm and try to understand what everyone's saying. But again, I think absolute, absolute viewing. Everybody should be forced to watch Mangrove, especially um, school kids of a certain age. They need they need to know that this is the history we've come from and how you, how you need to stand up for what you think is right against all odds. And it sounds corny even as I'm saying it, but it's brilliant. Yeah, and I, I'm so happy you said that, Yasti, because when I watched Mangrove, I too um, had that same experience that this is a much superior version of The Trial of the Chicago 7. Um, it, it just seems less gimmicky and less people dressed up in costume. It actually felt very real and authentic. And I like the way the story plays out. Great acting. Um, it's the one of the anthology that's over two hours long. So it's a full movie. Um, so, so yeah, I agree with you. Really, really superior acting and production. And to your question, Yasti, I mean, you know, um, yes, I think when we were growing up in the... Um, mid to late 70s we were very aware of racial tensions but you know London at that point was quite ghettoized and mm. so um you know if you didn't live in that particular area you weren't that exposed to it um I had a f my father was um in love with steel band music and so we grew up um, always attending, there was this one event and it's grown and grown in, in, in popularity called the Notting Hill Carnival. Um, and it happens in London and it's in Northwest London. And, you know, I used to literally be dragged along every summer. And again, it was one of those things I didn't appreciate growing up, but, um, 
I certainly see the value of it in hindsight. But um, so I was exposed to kind of West Indian culture and food as a result of my father being so in love with steel band music and the culture himself for no reason. But yeah, I, great movie. So we're just talking about one Mangrove, time. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Mangrove uh, was a great way to start this anthology. I think it... Um, as as all of the, the the movies do, and we'll get to them, was really um, it, it's just so immersive. And this was an mm -hmm. era. Steve McQueen is a similar age to us, as Rashmi alluded to in her claim to fame. <laughs> uh, you know, her and Steve McQueen are best friends. Clearly, well, we've breathed the same air for sure. There you go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, this was a, an era in the UK where, you know, admittedly, you know. I was young, but I I very much remember uh, the look and the feel and the textures and the attitudes. Um, you know, where I grew up was outside of London, um, but nonetheless, 70s and 80s Britain was, you know, pretty coherent, you know, um, place. And, and this took me right back. Steve McQueen's clearly uh, using this whole anthology, actually, as a trip down memory lane. The production design here is absolutely impeccable. I mean, it... it, it For all of them. It trans yeah. It's like it was filmed on location at the time. Never mind, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the no, time so. capsules, yeah. But Now, Mangrove is, is, is very powerful. And what's interesting to me is that it's potentially one of the weaker of the anthology so you know not the weaker one it's it's just not my favorite you know we, as we get into the rest of them so it just speaks to the quality of of what we have here and and um yeah and i know that this was made for bbc television as a five-part series but it was also shown at Venice or Cannes, Venice Film Festival, it was shown as individual movies. So I, it, it's kind of weird where to put this movie, but I would not hesitate for a minute to kind of, you know, recognize some of these actors. They're just, just outstanding. I mean, just, you know, Sean Parks, I believe, who plays the lead character and then Letitia Wright. And there's yeah, so many other actors. Who we know I mean, from not Black Panther, right? Knows. I mean, a completely different role. And again, an outstanding performance from her. Okay, so then, Yasti, the other one you've seen is... Um, Lover's Rock. Lover's Rock. Go ahead. So that's the second one. I actually, as much as I love and respect the first one, this one I like even more. Um, it is probably one of... It's like an hour and spare minutes, maybe an hour and 10 minutes. It's one of the most immersive things I've seen. I mean, it's, it's set in a single kind of house party in a single home sometime in the 1980s in West London. Um, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was at that house party. I felt angry for the people there. I felt upset for the people there. I fell a little bit in love as, you know, two of the characters in, in the movie did. And again, I've, I've as much as that accent, the West, um, West Indian accent is like poetry, it's like music, but still it's hard for me to kind of filter and understand it. As much as I was struggling with that, it was just so, I mean, it's amazing that he has made this this particular piece, which on the face of it, nothing happens. But then 
everything happens. There is the threat of violence. There is, you know, um, this little love story which is going on. There is, you know, racial tensions. There is so much going on. And then there is the music itself. And the ending line after it is, this one is for all the lovers and this one is all for all the rockers. There's like 10 or 15 minutes of just people dancing and swaying to the music. And oh man, it's... It's such a it's such a gamble. People can get bored out of their minds saying, "Why do I have to watch somebody dance for two, for for ten minutes?" But it was like a spell on me. I love this so much. So this Incredible. is interesting. Um, so I again, um, my my older sister loved lovers rock, which is a genre of music that they play um, in this particular movie. And so I was very exposed to um, the song that plays in in the in the movie itself um, by Janet Kaye called Silly Games. Very, very, very iconic mm. song of its time. Um, and it was famous because it was the first lover's rock tune that made it to number one in the pop charts. So I remember it coming out. This is the movie I had the most trouble with. I know what you're oh. saying, Yazdi, but for me, this didn't hang together as well. So I would say this is my least favorite one of the five. Um, mm. But I like what he was trying to do. It just didn't get to the point quick enough for me. Um, but I think it's also because I felt a little bit claustrophobic and uncomfortable that we spent so much time in that one room. And so I felt mm -hmm. that kind of crowding of the house. Um, but I really admire the fact that he almost caught this rapture of people getting so involved yeah. in the music, you were actually watching them go through this rapture and being so engrossed yeah. in the music and how important music was at that time. You know, we didn't have the internet back in that time. It was all about being with your community and hanging out with people like you. And so, again, great costumes, great production design, great sound for this one. And again, you're absolutely right. We were right there with those people experiencing that rapturous uh, music. So yeah, I admire it for what it was, but it's my least favorite. And for me, mm. it's probably one of the standouts in the anthology. I mean, I think this, this movie, I don't know, again, why this is one of those movies, one of those movies that I think is actually quite difficult to review because I, I, I find it, I struggle to articulate why it works as well as it does you mentioned Yazdi Steve McQueen was very brave um to to take the time to let this movie breathe and I agree that was a brave move but one of the things that I think he is the master of as a director and I remember the moments from 12 Years a Slave where the camera holds maybe 15 to 30 mm. seconds longer than most directors would allow and it puts you right there in the moment with the characters. And I think he does that masterfully here. This, mo this moment of magic. Um, if you've ever been to you know, a party or a club and you've been really into the music, there comes that moment in the night when you know, the, the place itself fades away, where you're in the music, where you're in the moment, where you're feeling it. You know, maybe alcohol can enhance that or whatever. But, you know, I remember those moments growing up. This wasn't my genre. This was before my time. And this certainly wasn't the way I felt about this music. 
But I remember that moment. I remember that feeling. And I had that feeling in my living room to music that I not actually, you know, very familiar with. So what a masterful piece of direction here. And again, this movie is going to be hard to recommend because on the face of it, yeah. not a lot happens. But it's how it happens <laughs> and how how it pulls you into its world. So, uh, th I mean, just, just I mean, again, this is one that I could talk about for, for a long time, too. Yeah, and I think what it captures beautifully is that dance, right? That, that, that dance mm -hmm. that occurs between a group of single people who are out for the night with an intention in mind. And often that intention realizes itself and sometimes it doesn't but there's very much of like a mating dance that occurs mm -hmm. and he lets that breathe so perfectly um almost almost too long for me and so that's why i think a little bit of my add i think kicked in and so i was like mm, come on move on what what's gonna happen when's it gonna happen um, and, and that's again, why I, would, I think it's great, yeah. Yeah, but, but again, I just think it's so masterful that he catches that whole dance between people, like, you know, how how you watch, if you ever, you know, if you spent a lot of, misspent youth at many clubs watching people, um, you know, there's always that point. In, and then there's a point in time when the entire audience, the entire party goers become one movement and one body and mm -hmm. that's amazingly captured when they all start to sing and i didn't think it could be so riveting to watch a group of people sing but they are in that moment they are like one breathing body moving together and it's risky right because what this Sorry. whole song uh, what's it called silly, silly games, games it plays yeah. out and everybody's kind of dancing and swaying to it, then the song stops. Correct. And everybody who's there vocalizes it. They start singing it. And in any other movie, it would have stopped then. Correct. But no, they keep singing and singing and singing. So I, I, this is what I mean. It's, it's very risky because somebody will get very irritated saying, enough of this already. Why do I have to keep listening to people swing? But it was very transportive to me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the women there, you know, who were cooking before and they were making the goat curry and, you know, the the production design, again, is exquisite. You know, these two girls who are taking the bus to come to this particular thing and how each of their stories plays out. And, you know, the sexual politics of the time, I was yeah, surprised how exactly. easily the men were touching the women but you know that's how it was and right now we might raise an eyebrow but that I remember of course when I was growing up it was the norm so it yeah it was great yeah okay yeah. so next one and then you guys have seen the others yes. I have not so we can, we can do these ones quickly um okay so um next one red white and blue um and this one had um John Boyega in it um who again Really great performance by John Boyega. Um, I really liked Red, White and Blue. Um, my only criticism of it is I feel like it stopped too quickly and abruptly. Um, yeah. Oh, um, and then um, Alex Wheatle I really liked. Um, really interesting story. And again, based on a true story of a guy called Alex Wheatle, who actually ended up, um, actually, so was Red, White and Blue, right? Red, White and Blue was about a policeman who actually ended up going up the ranks and actually helping with policing in, in Britain um, at 
at a later period. Um, Alex Wheatle was great. My favorite by far is education. Um, and this is the one when I've done a bit of reading is actually based on Steve McQueen's own experience of being discriminated against in the schooling system in the UK. Um, because I think he had a, a stammer or um, dyslexia. A, dysle a dyslexia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, all really good movies, Yazdi, all very different um, and, and definitely of their time. Yeah, I mean, I, I said, I just gestured to Rashmi to kind of run through them all because Red, White and Blue, Alex Wheatle and Education are all comparable in terms of quality. Um, you know, they're not quite as memorable for me as Lovers Rock because that felt so undeniably unique um, as, a, as a piece of film. Uh, but they do stand out a little bit above Mangrove, which itself is kind of a... a, 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 a a masterpiece a classic so it speaks to the quality of of the rest of the anthology um all have their own focus and story i think the last three are certainly more conventional in terms of of narrative structure yeah. um they they have a specific story that they are each telling um but i would be really hard pressed to try and pick between any of these movies uh or shows tv shows seasons whatever we want to refer them um, because they're, they're just comparable quality. I will say that I'm absolutely um, grateful for the fact that we were able to watch them at home with subtitles, mm -hmm. because yes. despite the fact that, um, you know, I grew up in England at a time um, like this, this, um, you know, colloquial West Indian accent that we have, um, this Caribbean, you know, culture that was in England, not only has its own accent, but it has its own vocabulary. Correct, you know? yeah. And, I mean, there are many words there that are impenetrable, even with subtitles. Yeah. You know, if anyone, I had to go on kind of urbandictionary.com to find out what a ras bomba clat is, because they keep talking about your ras clat moat, get your, get your ras clat house in your ras clat moat. It's like, what are you talking about? And the, the subtitles yeah, made that, that yeah. um, possible to believe, to, to kind of follow along. So, um, anyway, this is a masterpiece. I'm saying this, I'm, I'm essentially saying that, you know, alongside something like the Queen's Gambit, this is, possibly my favorite viewing experience of 2020 and maybe it's because it resonates particularly with me because this is the Britain that I knew and grew up in um, a community that I didn't really understand or have much of a part of but I could certainly relate to so this, the whole small axe thing is is required viewing like if you haven't seen it watch it give it the time watch it with subtitles and understand just what this director has done here because it it's it's superb. Yeah, this is overachievement to the nth degree. I mean, Steve McQueen yeah. has proven beyond a doubt that he is not only talented, he is an incredible uh, writer, director, um, incredible, incredible work. I am so proud that he comes from my same schooling district and he grew up in the same area as me. So what happened to you? <laughs> There's only I, room I'm for one, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just in awe of 
the logistics of it all, right? I mean, how do you set up, how do you get the right craftspeople to generate the production design, to the costumes, to getting the actors to, like Leticia Wright is, I think she's an American actor. No, how she's did, British. How did they get to, Oh, she's British? Yeah, she's actually British. Oh, I didn't know that. But, you know, to get all the actors to have the right accents and to move the right way, and it's just, it. Uh, you know, it would take me two years, I think, to put something like this together. And he did five of those in seemingly like right. a few months. So, right. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I liked, um, I liked an edge. I was trying to think why I liked uh, education and red, white and blue so much um, is because um, I like how they show that, that West Indian community interacting with white Britain at the time as well. Right. And that seemed a bit, bit less in, uh, in lover's rock. Okay. Well, anyway, I think the clear message here is if Watch you it. have access to Amazon Prime, which many of us do, um, give this a go. I will return, I will refund your Prime subscription <laughs> for a year if one of these movies, at least one of these movies, does not resonate with you. They're that good. Okay, moving on, I guess, uh, Rashmi, I think you're going to tell us all about. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. I am. Which is a um, curious name for a movie. Um, yeah, I just like the name. <laughs> um, okay. I, I really thought, before you started, I really thought it was about Ma Rainey's... Black Bottom. Her own Black Bottom. But it turns out <laughs> it's not. It's about a song called Black Bottom that Ma Rainey sings. And I was very disappointed. That's a great introduction, <laughs> Yazdi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so directed um, by George C. Wolfe and written by uh, Ruben Santiago Hudson and August Wilson. Based on this is actually based on a play that was um, that was mm -hmm. written by August Wilson, and then obviously Ruben Santiago Hudson has written the screenplay based on that. So Chicago, nineteen twenty-seven, a recording session. Tensions rise between Ma Rainey, her ambitious horn player, and the white management determined to control the uncontrollable mother of the blues. Um, and it's actually based on the Pulitzer Prize winner, August Wilson's play, which I just mentioned. Um, and this was unfortunately Chadwick Boseman's, one of his last performances before he um, sadly passed away from um, cancer late, late in 2020. But it, but it stars Vi Viola Davis as Ma Rainey, Chadwick Boseman, Coleman Domingo, Glenn Turman, Michael Potts, Jeremy Shamos, uh, Johnny Kane, and a whole host of others. Um, and it came with some fanfare. We started hearing about this movie probably about, I would say, around summer, Yasti. It seemed to yeah. kind of make the circuit, and there was a lot of noise and anticipation about this one. So I was excited to watch this one. So, Yasti, why don't you start us off? What did you think of the black bottom of Ma Rainey? <laughs> uh, I like this movie a lot. Uh, I appreciate it and admire it a lot. I don't know if I... If I love it, per se, I mean, it's, I'm just, again, I'm filled with awe that they've been able to recreate the rhythms and the, and the life of a particular time and a particular group of people, uh, the dialogue, the interactions. It's, I mean, I, I'm so grateful for these filmmakers who just, they're, what they're creating is time machines, right? They're creating us the ability to turn on my TV and step into an earlier time with an earlier group of people. 
Um, I think by definition, because this is, you know, uh, August Wilson wrote a whole series of plays with interconnected characters. Ah. Fences was one of them. And so, you know, you know, grandparents of characters from the first play, uh, their children were in the next play and the grandchildren. So he wrote a whole whole series of this and this this is part of that. Um, so it's by definition, it's it's a it's a very stagey movie in that it's very talky and there's a lot of dialogue. Um, but I think people going into the movie need to know that that is the movie. People who expect, you know, a car chase at the end or somebody bursting into song at the end, they're not going to get it. The, the meat of this movie is a theatrical experience. It's uh, the meat of the movie is watching these characters interact with each other. And there is jealousy and then there is, you know, sexual tensions and there is this whole debate about where does you know, where does um, where does the black experience sit with the rest of American music? And, you know, should you be quiet and humble with your art and let it play on its own? Or should you speak up and be militant about it? And, you know, the character played by Levy, uh, you know, in an absolutely wonderful performance by Chad, Chadwick Boseman, again, telling us, you know, he had so much promise and, you know, He's done remarkable movies up till now, but this again gives you another facet of him. He plays somebody who is very, um, uh, he's not easily rested with the status quo and he wants to shake everything up. And, you know, um, this whole question of who, who, who creates the better art, the, the, the disturber or the person who kind of creates peace. And uh, so, no, I mean, the, this movie has triggered a lot of thoughts in my head. I'm just bowled over by the performances, not just of Chadwick Boswith and Viola Davis, who does who does well in spite of a huge fat suit that she has throughout the movie, but you know, the actors who play the remaining three team members um, of this of this music group, they're all so wonderful. I could listen to them just sit and talk for hours. It was it was a very wonderful comforting experience for me to watch it again i'm not in love with it but i just appreciate the opportunity to step into time and be with these people yeah rather like um so unfortunately joe you didn't get to watch this one um what an experience i mean again you know like small acts like the movies we just spoke Mm -hmm. about um this is about a black experience um yet it's it's educational and it's about the time and it's relevant to today and it shows you that you can't you can't put an umbrella over over the experience and say everything is the same for everyone and i think the thing that it did so beautifully i'm trying not to repeat anything you said yazdi because i agree with everything you said it shows how and and i feel silly saying this but it shows how complex being black is and how mm-hmm. that's not a homogenous experience and that seems yeah. almost pat to say it that way but it really does play on the gender on the race on the um status the thing it does amazingly is that the status of each one of those characters 
is constantly changing. And that's difficult to do. And it's difficult to keep up with. Um, but it does it so beautifully. And you know exactly where you are at any given time. Um, the translation from stage to film is very successful for me. I mean, it does feel very stage-like in the sense that you're in one area, most of the movie, but it plays very well. Um, and I love how focused it is so it gives you time to breathe and see each character like each one of those characters is so well formed and you feel like you've known yeah. them forever uh, just brilliant and very risque for the time i mean yeah. ma rainey was a very interesting character right so she had this yeah. young girl who she kept on as almost, I, I don't want to call her a slave, but she was in some sorts like a like sexual, a yeah, yeah, sexual slave of sorts in some ways. Um, so I just loved for how it, how, and then the music was amazing. Uh, just yeah. the the music and the production. And you're right, Yazdi, it's like, these, these movies are like stepping into time capsules and finally a different, again, a different version of Viola Davis. I feel like we mm -hmm. always see her as the, um, you know, as someone who is almost like a Carrie Mulligan. You know, you call Viola Dav Davis in for a very specific role and here she is with the highest status and you don't often see a Viola da Davis in higher status. And she's amazing. That, whatever they did to her face or her teeth or her, I couldn't, I, I was just like, I know Viola Davis is in there. But she was, in, I mean, definitely going on my best actress, best actress of the yeah. year list. And, you know, she, you know, she plays a, a person who is very large. And so she's wearing this fat suit. And, Everything about her physical appearance is extreme. It's overt. Like her eyes don't just have like cold. Like they're like somebody beat her up. Like yes. her eyes are completely black. The makeup, she has these metallic yes. teeth. And yet that all that physical excess doesn't play her. She plays the physical access. It, it doesn't kind of consume her. Any other a lesser actress, yes. they would just be buried under that physicality because it's so strong. And yeah. she just... She prevails. And like you said, it's it's a tricky role because she's a very angry person, but she's not necessarily a good person. She has Correct. kept this girl with her. Yeah. And by the way, the she's actress mean. plays that girl, ta uh, Taylor Page. She's incredible, too. She's yes. beautiful and she has a very tricky role. Um, just the interactions between all of them. I mean... This is why I think August Wilson is being re recognized now as as really one of the master playwrights because, you know, again, there are five or six characters here, but you get to know them really very well. And you get to know them like you know an old uncle. You know, you know all, just, just by a few things they've said, you know, okay, this is that person. Yeah. And and it's just great writing. And yeah. And very few movies make me physically gasp. This one made me physically gasp at one point. I mean, I was like, <gasps> literally, like it caught my breath. And that's very rare. B beautiful yeah. movie. I'm e easily eight out of 10. I don't know why I'm not giving it a nine. It's an eight out of 10 for me. Yeah. I kept yeah, watching it's an eight it. Out like, of 10 the scenes, there were scenes that were playing. I'd be like, oh my God, they're going to show this when this person gets nominated for the, for the Oscar. Like, this is the scene they're going to show. Amazing. Yeah. I mean. I mean, Coleman Domingo, who plays Cutler, and um, so Glenn Terman, who plays Toledo, Michael Potts, who plays Slow Drag. I mean, 
I don't know where they found these actors. Maybe I'm just showing so my good. own ignorance and yeah. they are stalwarts of, you know, African-American acting. But it's it's such a great experience. It's like it's like spending time with some lovely, flawed, you know, yeah. outrageous people. Yeah. And uh, and in many ways, so little has changed with yeah, the black exactly. experience. And with, exactly. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm Eight sad I was ten. a little Easily. movied out when um, when you watch this Rashmi. So um, I'll, I'll have to make sure this ends up on my list of things to watch, my ever lengthy growing list of things to watch. So Yasti, sorry, did you score this one? Yeah, I gave it an eight out of ten okay, as, well. As, easy, well. easy, okay, eight out of ten. Yeah. as well. Easy, easy eight out of ten. Easy eight out of ten. Two easy eights. Hey. Yeah, and again, this whole thing about black music and how black music has been used and sometimes abused by those who are not black and you know there's so much here there's so much here next movie on the list is the movie time so yazdi can you tell us a little bit about time yes i can tell you a little bit about time it's my it's my uh, nemesis i'm never on time <laughs> but <laughs> but but the time I want to talk about here is uh, is the documentary which is playing right now on Amazon and the name of the documentary is Time and it's directed by Garrett Bradley and essentially it's the story of this woman who um, is doing everything that she can to allow her husband to be released from prison and he is serving a 60-year sentence in prison and the entire story is... Um, a laying out of facts and, you know, her, her activism, her efforts to do whatever she can, you know, to help her husband. And, um, yeah, I, I will leave it at that. I, I, I will comment more about, about the story itself. Um, when, when we discuss the movie, but I know Rashmi, you saw this, Joe, did you see it as well? I have. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you guys think of time? Interestingly, you know, as you were talking about that, I um I brought up Rotten Tomatoes and it has that thing that I love to point out whenever I see it, which is a big discrepancy between the critic response and the audience response. Mm. And uh, in this case, you know, and Rotten Tomatoes has done a fair amount to try and legitimize the 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 audience response. Um, so again, I don't know how they do that um, for streaming, but nonetheless, we have to kind of take a look at what people are saying. Um, Clearly, there's a mixed response. The critics love this movie with 98%. The audience, not so much with 43%. I'm on the audience's side with this. I mean, this is a fascinating um, documentary. I, I won't. I don't want to detract from the movie in the sense of um, I think it's completely worth worth watching. And this woman's individual journey um, is is quite remarkable. What she's been through, what the system is doing to her and her family um, and the way that she's dealt with it, the way that she's found her own voice and um, essentially built her life around what was essentially a mistake that two young people made early on in their lives and the consequences of it. Um, all very well done. I think Maybe, and maybe I'm with the audience members here in terms of missing the point, um, I struggled to understand what this documentary was trying to say about many things. And so it left me a little puzzled um, in that 
I don't know whether it was trying to talk about the criminal justice system. I don't know whether it was talking about race. I don't know whether it was talking about um, this um, woman's journey to become who she is despite these circumstances. And so as a result, I kind of felt myself a little disengaged and perhaps puzzled as to what it was that this um, this piece of film was um, was about. Not to say that it was not interesting. It was endlessly interesting and and clearly a, a, a very fascinating portrait of, of somebody whose life has been profoundly um, derailed by events. Um, and, you know, and maybe that was the point. But I struggled with this. I struggled to love this one. I struggled to to be affected and moved by it. And I am with Joe and the audience on this one as well this time. So I am, I am finding myself <laughs> flummoxed by what the big deal of this documentary is. I mean, you can look at the justice system currently and pick out thousands of stories that are probably more fascinating than this one that all um, pertain to... Hispanics or African-Americans or a double-tiered justice system, right? So if it's about that, this this was an interesting story for, for sure, but was it more interesting than something we've already seen? Not really. And then I think it was trying to be very artsy. Like for me, it spent a lot of time trying to get to the point and I didn't know what we were watching even. So I think it's almost a victim of its own artiness and I think it would have been better served by starting with the line, after I dropped my husband and his nephew off to do an armed robbery, dot, dot, dot. That would have actually been more of a gripping, um, you know, log line in a sense. And I don't understand the point of doing it in black and white. I think the one thing I did, did take away from it is that it's an unbelievable sentence for potentially a non- right. You know, it was a threatening yeah. crime, but not a, a crime that where anyone was actually injured. I don't know. And it doesn't tell you much about the actual incident itself either. So I think um, the one thing I took away is, you know, you rob a bank and you actually rob everyone around you, um, including your family. But as a, as a documentary, I don't understand what the big deal is about this one. And, and yes, I think I've said to you, you know, for me, a better documentary that was very similar is um, The State of Texas versus Melissa, which is also available on streaming. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't go into this with very high expectations. I just, uh, you know, I think it showed up as one of the top 10 lists either yeah. on New York Times or time magazine or something. So I, I, I gave it a shot. I mean, I, I see what you mean and that maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a little guilty of trying to be very arty and, and, and by virtue of the fact that, yeah, it is all shot in black and white, which actually was, I, I didn't mind it. it. It's, it's kind of a, a, you know, it gives it a different lens. Um, but I also, but you know, I, and there's also this definite disconnect where there's these, at least for the first half an hour or so there's all these images which are thrown at you and they they are kind of because they are not chronically arranged in time they're kind of very confusing and so you don't really know what you're watching i mean you have a general idea but the pieces all don't fit together so um would would a more direct movie which chronologically worked through what how everything formed would that have helped i i think so i think 
for me, more than anything else, um, it just made me think a lot about, you know, crime and punishment in, in the U.S. system, like you said, about how, you know, by no way, by no, in no form is anybody kind of condoning what her husband did. But, you know, it's 20 years, you know, the right thing, you know, for this. I mean, actually, 60 years. Sorry. Yeah, it was 60 uh, it's that, 20 years yeah, it was since commuted, he's been sentenced, yeah. but 60 years, yeah. you know. Whereas, you know, some people who murder and some people whose actions lead to the death of, you know, hundreds more, they kind of get away with less. Um, I also kind of appreciated that, you know, when, you know, they have six kids and, you know, when the father goes to jail, I can see how completely paralyzing it might be, you know, and, and you can either kind of fall down and crumble or you can kind of get your energies and try to do something about it. And I think, I think it, the, the documentary more than anything else is just kind of an ode to this, to his wife, who's kind of doing everything she can. And she's kind of almost become an activist. Um, and, you know, there's all these video diaries that she's recorded for her husband. So I think it's, it's a, I liked it because it's not very straightforward that this person's good, this person's bad. It's just showing one example. And, and like you said, Rashmi, there's hundreds of such stories. But again, this is a very specific story about this family and about what this woman is doing. So, um, I, you know, if somebody were to ask me what's the big deal about it, I would say nothing much. But is it a complete waste of time? I don't think so either. I mean, sure. I, it was it was very... It was very watchable. It was very provocative. It made me angry at times. Um, and it put me in awe of this woman, you know. And, and a lot of people might think that, the, the you know, a documentary should never tip its hand and kind of show who it favors. But there's no question about who it favors here. So um, is, is this whole thing just a giant defense being put together to help her husband, you know, get exonerated? I, I don't know. But... Um, and, 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 you know, I don't watch as many documentaries as you do, certainly, Rashmi. I know that's one of your favorite genres. <laughs> so for me, this was, you know, a, a worthwhile a worthwhile effort for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, look, it's not a waste of time. I just don't think it's the second coming. And I kept seeing it on everyone's top lists of documentaries. And yet when you look at some of the other documentaries that have come along this year, even in the same subject area Cycle. there are better yeah, ones yeah. i think and then there are definitely better documentaries in my mind i mean it's remarkable in the sense of the amount of footage that she has at various points through her life mm -hmm. almost like she was trying to document her life yeah, before it even happened to, well but she was trying to document her life in a way that um she could she was talking to her husband constantly even though she didn't have access to him and access he didn't have access to them and their lives because of his imprisonment so i think that that that's kind of remarkable but uh, again i think i'm always trying to understand the narrative and you know one says that documentaries should be objective i think the best documentaries oftentimes aren't they have yeah. um you know a position mm. to take and a narrative along with with which you can follow and this movie simply lacked that for me um so yeah scoring wise i mean five out of ten yeah i'll give it a six out of ten um i, I don't and yeah I, I think there are many many pieces of work even this year that 
I feel, say what they're trying to say a lot better. And that's not to take away from anything that this family has gone through, anything that this woman has gone through. There is clearly um, a, a lot to be discussed around the whole things that you've raised, Yazdi. But um, as a piece of film, I struggle. Yazdi. No, I, I mean, I will give it a 7 out of 10. I, it was, it, it kind of made me think about a lot of things about mass incarceration, about, you know, how this whole, we have this military, you know, industrial complex, which has replaced our prisons. Um, and it also kind of, in a way, reminded me of the movie Boyhood, because, you know, over the 20 year period, you see her kids kind of grow up from these little toddlers to, you know, like fully grown men. And, you know, what's the impact of, you know, this one thing which which her husband did. And again, nobody's condoning it, but just the impact of everything. So it gave me and enough to think they've done remarkably well. They've kept it together. So yeah, she's a remarkable yeah. woman in that each of those kids have gone on to yeah. do actually something very worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely a better documentary than somebody might make of my life, <laughs> <laughs> for example. Uh, and for good uh, but, reason, uh, Yasti. <laughs> final movie uh, so seven of, out of ten for me okay a uh, final movie of this podcast then is another round uh which goes by the original title of druk director <laughs> is thomas vinterberg uh mads michael uh, stars mads michelson thomas bo larson magnus milang and the premise here is Four friends, all high school teachers, test a theory that they will improve their lives by maintaining a constant level of alcohol in their blood. So, um, again, this director um, has directed movies that we liked very much, uh, including mm -hmm. The Hunt from a few years ago, also starring Mads Michelson, um, Far From the Madding Crowd a couple of years ago. Which I adore, um, yes. So, um, very celebrated Swedish director here. Um I haven't seen this one. Guys, I know the two of you have. So what did you think of Druk or Another Round? So I think this one could easily be misconstrued about as a, as a simple movie about drinking on the job. But it's so not about being a teacher drinking. And it's about so much else and... Just, again, what a different, amazing, alternative movie to describe problems that many people face all the time and don't know how to deal with. This is unbelievable. Yasti, you had recommended this and I watched it on your recommendation a few weeks ago. I'm so glad I watched this. Yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie. I have a big I have a big problem with the movie, which I'm going to bring up in just a second. But, you know, I, I've visited Sweden a few times through work. But again, you get to step into this whole other culture. Yes. And just the things which, you know, older men of a certain age in Sweden do. You know, it was so fascinating for, for me. And it's it's a very polished film. It's, it's uh, um, you know, there, it, 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 there's nothing amateur amateur about it. Um, and you know, it's kind of asking you to put yourself in the shoes of these four people. I think for me, the movie is the most successful when I think about it as, um, 
as just a reckoning of how men have to deal with their lives once they get older. I think it's really successful. Like each of those four people, they are in very, they're all dealing with the fact that they have kind of passed their peak in, you know, in their lives. And what is there now? And, you know, uh, they're kind of all jaded and disillusioned and they don't know what's next. And I think when the movie is exploring that, it does so very powerfully, uh, very, very beautifully, tragically, ecstatically, all of those things. The problem I have with the movie is w- because it's all tied to alcohol. And sure. so that's when I start having problems with it because I really didn't understand what the movie has to say about alcohol. I understand by reading about this that you know consuming alcohol is very much and i didn't say it right but you know alcohol is very finely woven into the danish culture and uh you know kids drink adults drink everybody drinks every celebration has a lot of drinking so and you know there's a lot of appreciation for the nicer alcohols but i didn't understand what the movie was trying to say that is it really serious in saying that if you are a little bit drunk it'll improve your life because that's not that's not what it's saying because horrible things do happen subsequently to those people so that whole alcohol bit didn't I, i had trouble with it go on no see for me yasti and and i and i did like how adult the movie was in its treatment of alcohol and how in every other country except the u.s alcohol is very you know people treat alcohol more mm-hmm. adult, right? Um, it, for me, the alcohol... So so basically, you know, like here in the US, you cannot have a drink until you're 21 is the legal age of drinking. You know, in, in the rest of Europe, people are much more adult. And, and, you know, in France, people will offer watered-down wine to children. Now, I'm not saying... I'm not... I'm not saying... I'm, everyone should be giving their two-year-old alcohol, but but attitudes to alcohol are much more adult in other countries, I think. Um, so I, Yazdi, you thought that alcohol was a metaphor for whatever crutch you use that these right. men decide they need in order to get over this perceived hill that you you described, right? Like you get to a certain age, it's a midlife crisis for all of them, and so I think they it, it it's it's the crutch they use to better themselves. Um, but it could have been anything. It could have been you know let's play let's play hockey let's you know let's do crack let's make Christmas trees. It could have been anything. It just happened to be alcohol. And then the kind of pros and cons of alcohol and can you use it wisely? Um, but I just felt like um, it, it's a metaphor in in this movie. And I liked how it kind of doesn't say it's pro or con. It basically says, hey, let's do a scientific experiment and let's see how that goes. But it's it it's really about the people and the ability of this thing to control them as opposed to their ability to control it ultimately. Yeah, and just to be clear, I'm I'm not I'm all for alcohol. I'm all for adults. <laughs> yes, he's <know>. condoning. <laughs> yes, I'm totally condoning it. I'm all for people. You know, if you're an adult, you know, just get drunk out of your wits at home as long as you don't get in a car and kill sure, someone or you sure. don't, you know, it doesn't Do impact stupid, your yeah. your way of living, etc. So I, I'm, I'm not being judgmental about alcohol, but, you know, it's so I, I based on the scaffolding that you provided, the movie works beautifully that it could have been 
drugs. It could have been, you know, I don't know, porn. It could be any any kind of thing which is an op, which is a crutch to you, you know, uh, yeah. and kind of providing you cheap thrills, if you will. But but because the whole movie, I think every scene in the movie has alcohol, pretty much, sure. if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's kind of it it kind of almost is is it mocking you know efforts to overcome alcohol addiction. So when when I get into those kind of weeds, it kind of gets tricky for me. But maybe I shouldn't even get into that because you know everybody, all four of them, kind of initially when they start being drunk all the time, their life visibly improves, but not for the long run. So maybe maybe the story is and that you will get a false sense of of betterment by any crutch that you take on, you know, in your life. But that's not the right path. I don't know, but there yeah, you know a, where I'm getting at? Yeah, I do. And I and I think how I saw it was very much these are men who don't know how to overcome the hurt the next hurdle that, that has appeared in their life, and that is middle age. Yeah. And everything yeah. is dull and boring and they're stuck and they're in jobs they don't like. And so they use this experiment and at some point when they are controlling it, it all works very well. But then you want more and more and more and more. And then it controls you. And that is the unraveling. And I think to see that difference, um, it, it was very interesting. So again, I just kind of, I think it has a lot to say about a lot of things. But but to me, it's about midlife crises. And, you know, these perceived yeah. hurdles that come up in our lives and how people deal with them. And, and, you know, I think the shackles of how many people at that age, you know, perceive a very nice life as a life of shackles for a life that could have been. And that whole misconception. So I think it's very deep, actually. Um, and of course, yeah. Mads Michelson is amazing. And I kept thinking, I wonder if they're actually drinking in real life because... Some of the reactions were so good. Really good movie. Yeah, and there's really good movie. It's a really good movie. And there's this idealization of, of alcohol. Like, you know, like the way somebody might appreciate jewelry. They're like, you know, oh my God, this is Cartier. Look how it's done. That's how they appreciate alcohol. Like this is a 600-year-old wine. I'm just exaggerating, whatever. So I think it was it was amazing for me to see how, you know, alcohol is so blended into this culture. And it, it was kind of an eye-opener for me. And the other thing I've been reading up on this on this uh, movie is uh, there is this whole mythical other thing which transpired outside of this movie while the movie was being made and that Thomas Winterberg has made a lot of movies. But five, year, uh, five days into the filming of this movie, he heard the news that his daughter, who was 19 years old, died in a car accident. And, oh you know, it was just debilitating tragedy which happened. And all the actors just thought that he would stop and he took a break for a few months and he came back. And so a lot of his kind of personal tragedy and like when you get a certain age, how do you deal with hard things that come up at you out of nowhere? I think it had a very personal, um, you know, impact on him by virtue of what had happened to him. So the, so it's it's very fascinating. And when you look at the movie from that lens, it, it has a whole other meaning as yeah. well. So. Um, wow. Definitely recommended. I don't want to say anything, but the last five minutes of the movie is just so absolutely worth the price of admission. So good. Yeah, yeah. Have we convinced yeah. you to watch this one, Joe? Totally. But before I do, I have to apologize to the entire nation of Denmark because I called this movie Swedish. So apologies. 
<laughs> yeah, and I said I've been to Sweden <laughs> a few times. Matt's I've been to Denmark a few times too. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's absolutely. It, yeah, alcohol's a funny thing. I mean, you know, I always joke about our drunk podcast, which we still need to do. Um, but the attitudes are really funny. I mean, we always talk about. Remember that time we went out and got drunk and threw up everywhere? It's like, no, that was a terrible time. Like, what? Well, we were also very young. <laughs> Why would we look back on that with fondness? That was a crappy night. Correct. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I don't think I heard your scores for this movie. Oh, so. uh, gosh, easily again, 8 out of 10. Yeah, an 8 out of 10 for me as well. And, you know, Mike, uh, Mads Michelson is an absolute superstar in, in Denmark. And he this performance here, he looks awful. He looks awful awful through the, it's a completely vanity, all of that vanity he looks awful i mean he looks like somebody who is just you know like he has just given up on life and his face looks rugged and you know he's so he's so right for the role just he's throwing every caution to the wind and just all like being this Such person in free fall performances by all four main yeah. main protagonists he's so a good. remarkable actor I he's a remarkable actor and we haven't even talked about the impact of alcoholism on relationships, on your family, yes. on your spouses, and, you know, how, how that kind of percolates into everything. And any form of addiction kind of, you know, takes over everything. It kind of comments on that as well. A fine, fine film. Druk. Okay, so Small Axe, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Time, Another Round. Let's end the podcast here. We've got still more to talk about, so we'll be back soon Still again. more. With another podcast, yes. you'll be sick of us by the end of it, but please do download and listen to them. Uh, so thank you very much for listening this far. Too many movies, too little time. A bye for the bye for now from me and me and me as well. <laughs>